Uh, welcome everyone to Rumor Requirement, episode 25, right? 25. Whoa. We are getting up there. Uh, a podcast dedicated to reason and resilience in the time of Trump. I am one of your co-hosts, Kamala Shrao, and with me, as always, is... Miracle Jones, your other co-host. Yeah. So, uh, we'd like to start every podcast talking about how we are and checking in. Uh, once again, to admit that we uh, politics and the personal often collide in a very ugly way. Uh, <laughs> but how are you, man? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the perfect golden weather of New York right now has oh, right. uh, yeah. got me in a really great mood. Yeah. I'm just walking around. It's like that fall, but there's still like sunshine. Yeah, it's still, it's, you don't have to wear too much. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's yeah. great. Uh, so anything could happen, and I'd, I'd I'd react to it with like magnanimity and like you know uh, comedy and yeah. and joy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those of you who never visited New York in the fall, I mean, it's just kind of the perfect weather. For, yeah. Once you get like late September, early October weather, it's beautiful and. Um, for some reason, people haven't realized that winter is coming. Oh, I know. It's there. That's what we, yeah. You have to, like, get it in, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, yeah, yeah. You know it's coming, so yeah. it's like, you really got it. Like, from now until Halloween, it's like, this is the time in New York that I like the most. What I'm surprised about is why people don't visit now. People visit in the summer, right? Right. Which makes no sense to me, because it's actually pretty hot here. Like, if I were planning a New York vacation, I would do it in October. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just on behalf of the New York tourism like definitely visit in the fall yeah right it makes sense like the subways are not as packed or at least you know people are commuting so they're not like swarming the subways during the day the weather is really nice everybody here's in a good mood because we don't have central air a lot of people don't have ac so during the summer everybody's pissed off and don't sleep yeah yeah and and during the winter right everyone is like way overheated because we have like old school heaters so and um, sick and yeah. just like miserable because yeah. it's cold and dark yeah um, and dark so yeah come 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 in, come in the fall come in. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so what else is going on uh not too much just you know working a lot I'm, yeah i'm doing a lot of writing and uh, i've noticed that the fall is like my highest uh volume writing months oh yeah like if i sit down and i can do like 2,000 2,500 words a day just like knock it out yeah so, so you think like, it's weather related i don't know if it's weather related or what but yeah. maybe it is like the impending winter it's like squirrel and stuff <laughs> you're trying to hoard away all your words all my narrative yeah, yeah just to, to get it in yeah before, before winter comes uh, that seems interesting um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else super interesting going on uh, I guess this Have you, my, your work's about to start for yeah, you? Yeah, right? this is my last day, last week of vacation. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, as of Monday, I start a new job. So yeah, I've uh, bought clothing. I think I've finished out all like like smaller errands. Um, at the beginning of my my vacation off, I had this really long to do list, and I got through about a third of it, um, <laughs> which is kind of the nature of how I deal with things. Um, but it was, uh... Was yeah. there anything big on the list that you you wanted to cross off? Oh, yeah, there are a ton of things. I mean, I need to, like, do things like, um, I gotta ha- we gotta do a lot of more financial planning, um, and, uh, we have to, I have to have a will and stuff. I don't have that stuff out. Um, so kind of the long-term financial planning that I've been putting off for a while, uh, needed to get done, and I'm just hoping I can find some time over the next month or so to figure all of that out, so... A will? yeah. That's interesting. Like, so does that? That's like, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, it's kind of morbid. Do you do you enjoy thinking about your own demise and like your possessions I, and where they will go? I, I've had a life insurance policy for since I was like twenty <laughs> twenty eight. <laughs> Yeah, someone has to take care of my family. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What was that like? Was the insurance agent like kind of disturbed? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And not coincidentally, I think it was it was really close up on. uh, I think it was also after nine eleven. So like. Death was in the air. You just wanted to seize control of your destiny, right? Right, and contemplate like mortality. So, um, yeah, and I also think I could get this from my dad who i i feel like i known where his will is since i was a child right like so i guess when you have kids you really think about these things but uh, i don't have kids but um yeah you know i'm married um you know my parents are getting el- are getting old so like you know i, I have in something of an at- like an estate that i need to figure out how to like divvy out and yes it's very important you should have a will <laughs> You should absolutely have a will. Uh, it, a, wait, if you have things. <laughs> Even if you don't. Like, how do you know? How, how do you people know how you're going to, like, what to do with your remains? I mean, I, the argument and chaos that would occur after my death and yes. with people uh, at each other's throats about what to do with my body. I would uh, find oh, wait, are you going to be a saint? What? Who? I mean, like, isn't it? Isn't the argument over what to do with your body just like how do we dispose this cheaply and effectively? Yeah, like, yeah. What do we? What do we do with this like receipt for ashes? <laughs> right, right. We right. claim them right, that right, the state yeah. that the city right. has like taken care of. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I find that comforting. I find like leaving one last like chaotic like oh like blast. Of, Interesting. Like, of, okay. Like, yeah. I, at- I would. I would love to uh, go knowing that like you know the. My family and my friends have been taken care of, and uh, that's... Uh, how noble. Uh, <laughs> how guilty, right? Um, which is... Well, okay, that's that, that was that was saccharine at best. <laughs> but it's kind of true. It is, it's not... It's not uh, Brought it's a, to you by State Farm. Oh, right, right. Northwest Mutual. Uh, but, like, it's... Um, it is something that, like, I, I've yeah. always struggled with, right? Like, how do I provide for my family? So that's not, it's, uh, that's schmaltzy, but it's actually really something that I, I worry about, right? Um, on the flip side of that, I, I, what I really want to do with my remains is I want my ashes flushed down like a really, like, disgusting toilet in New York City. Is that really what you want? Yes. I yeah. will be the one person that will fight yes. to make that happen yes. for you. Yes, yes. Because so no one will want to do that. Yeah, right, right. So originally, <laughs> I think it was Port Authority. That's pretty bad. Port, Port, Port Authority bathroom. Yeah. Because I would really want it to be, like, my remains to be around, like, a bathroom where, like... Like uh, men go to have anonymous sex and like people shoot up drugs in. That's that's what I really. That's the level of respect I want to have in my passing. Sure. Um, but I actually think that Port Authority has cleaned up its. Uh, uh, it's it just cleaned itself up a lot. Yeah. So I was actually thinking maybe the Jackson Heights bathroom. Which oh, is pretty sure. Disgusting. The one bathroom. In our- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like it's a, pretty. It's a the, pretty gross one. Yeah, yeah, Jackson Heights subway stop. It's just. It's got like six or seven trains. It's always really crowded. They've got one bathroom. Yeah. It always looks disgusting. There's always a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe that bathroom. Oh. Not quite as seedy. In Not the sense all of- your ashes, right? Like some of, like half your ashes. What else am I going to do with the rest? I don't know. People like to hang on to that. Do you want really all your ashes flushed down yes, the Jackson Heights? Yes, bathroom? yes, yes. All right, well, fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> this is a legal document. It is a podcast. <laughs> Zero legal standing. Um, yeah. But to me, I mean, you know, that, there is something to that. I say, like, I want people to, like, live in chaos, not yeah. knowing how to solidify my passing. Yeah. But, uh, there, but 
even just like arbitrary things you tell people to do like if people feel like they're in some way like respecting your will or doing yeah. one thing it makes them feel better it gives them sure. a chance to right like pass on and yeah. move, move move forward right? right like not allowing people that is actually really cruel and sinister sure so i probably should write down some arbitrary things for people to do just so they can like let me go <laughs> <laughs> you know i want to be flushed on that bathroom i will join you in that yeah after, i would like, yeah <laughs> like i just think that it's uh yeah, I mean, just a, I, I, the problem is like you have to think of like what's a really disgusting bathroom because yeah. even like Bryant Park now is like super clean and really cheesy. Nice. I would have suggested the Mars Bar bathroom, but that doesn't exist anymore. Right, or like I mean like CBGB back yeah. in the day. Like, where do people regularly have anonymous sex and shoot up drugs and like you know, fucking disgusting? Like you know, where do you feel like it's you a have quest? Maybe you should specify the worst bathroom in New York. Oh, maybe it'll be like a, a little bit of a yeah, right, 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 to right. Find the worst, worst bathroom in New York. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you say Jackson Heights bathroom, but like maybe there's worse ones in sure, New York. You want to sure. be in a legitimately like awful New York bathroom, right? And I want people to be just a little bit like I want people to be more than disgusted and just a little bit of afraid when they're burying me. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it probably doesn't flush all the way. It's yeah, just like kind of yeah. sitting on top. Yeah, oh like my god, I expect I, I expect yeah all of that. Like I expect yeah. you to clog up the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be disgusting. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I want to be remembered. That is like, I mean, it's not legal, sir. I mean, want you to know that you can't flush ashes. Oh, that's right. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, irreverent and slightly illegal. Yeah, right? I'm into that. So into that. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. We're, we're making this happen. For okay. You. Good, 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 good. No, rest easy at your final moments. No <laughs> wishes of your respect. You are, of course, assuming that you outlive me. Well, I mean. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I got a. Uh, I got longevity on my side. I guess I, that's true. I got stubbornness and longevity on my side. Well, I don't think I'm gonna outlive you, but I am a New Yorker. Ah, uh, that's true. You that's know, true. like I feel like people will be like fighting against this. They'll be like, there'll be like people who want, you know. Oh God, yeah. They really will. Like people are gonna resist this. And I'm yeah. gonna have to play this specific <laughs> over and over. And that's like, why this needs to be on a doll. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, th- this is a record. Right? Yeah, that's right. what I'm saying. Like, because otherwise, like people are gonna be like, no, that's not what he wanted. <laughs> I know him better than that. I'm Great. Like, I don't know. He he didn't believe in God. And right. He wanted to be flushed out of the toilet. <laughs> hey, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's run. important. Yeah, that's as, super as important. the winter comes. <laughs> yeah, just to know how to dispose of my remains. Uh, all right, so I think that's it for the personal. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about politics. There are a number of things we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, obviously, I think the thing that is grabbing the headlines, and in this case really deserves it, is uh, the shooting in Las Vegas. So I, it's an awkward transition, I admit, but um, Las Vegas shooting. So uh, just a yeah. horrible, horrible event. There's a there's uh, not a lot we know say about the shooter or the circumstance or the reasons why, um, but I just wanted to get your reaction and see what you were thinking about that. I guess I am a pro gun control liberal, mm-hmm. so I feel like until there is gun control, this is going to keep happening. So you event you become sort of like I wouldn't say numb to it because you find the details about all this stuff and it's all just horrible every fucking time right like the Newtown one was specifically awful yeah because children guns are easy to get guns are everywhere yeah we love guns hurry guns you know obviously you can say like it's terrible and it is terrible but I, I just don't see any there is no will to solve this problem right if to the extent that uh, a mass shooting or like any kind of mass catastrophe uh, a human being you know killing lots of people for either 
crazy reasons or political reasons, right? Usually in countries, people try to solve that problem to figure out how they did it and stop that from happening, right? Maybe they overreact, right? right. Maybe there's an overreaction that hurts civil liberties. Maybe that's a bad thing, right? Uh, France's suspension of civil rights after the Bataclan, I think, yeah. still continues, right? Like they, I don't know if it's under martial law still. But, yeah. you know, for a while, martial law, right? Yeah. Like, that would probably never happen in America. Yeah. You know, but there's just like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, let's suspend all liberties in France for a while in order until we get to the bottom of this. Yeah, let me back up one question. Uh, yeah. one, one second. So did you grow up in gun culture? Yeah, I got a, my first gun when I was, you know, 12, right? Yeah. We'd go hunting all the time, you know, yeah. like for squirrels or just sport, right? Yeah. Every time we, you know, kids went out and to, like, have a good time, we brought a gun with us. Yeah. A, for protection, just in case, like, your parents would tell you to take a gun with you. Yeah. Just in case you ran into, like, a, you know, rabid dog or, you know, just in case. Like, it was, like, they would worry more that you're in the country without a gun. Yeah. Than having one, right? Yeah. Also, we were all trained to use though. Also, there's no cops, right? You live in a, you're, you're 20 minutes away from police, right? Yeah. If that's and that's if they're moving at rapid speed, right? right? Like an hour in some places, right? right? So a gun is you are the cops, right? Right. Like if somebody is trying to like abduct you, you are you know the one that can stand up to them. Otherwise, you're fucked, right? But that's the right to bear arms is different from sensible. Guns. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, I think a lot of times. Um, so what I think what the left does in this time sometimes it's poorly timed in terms of when they bring this up, but of course, like, there's a reflexive uh, argument about gun control, and we should talk about gun control. And I don't think that's wrong. I just think that um, often there's, like, a little bit of a cultural divide, right? So, yeah. like, I mean, you grew up around guns, and to a lesser degree, so did I, right? So um, I think there is sort of a culture in America and probably around the world that's, like, just not super familiar with guns, and so instinctively they're like, why do we have this? Why yeah. don't we repeal the Second Amendment? Um, so political concerns aside, right, like I think there's something about not being familiar with guns, which makes you just look upon anyone who would advocate, who has problems with gun control, right, um, as being somewhat foreign. Right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's just something worth acknowledging. I just don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say. So what would you say sensible gun control looks like? Two Two things. Taxing the shit out of guns. Okay. Yeah, like higher than as high as possible. Jack that shit up. Yeah. You know, tax it punitively. Mm-hmm. Tax it to the tie taxation to gun violence. Yeah. Right? And the, you know, as gun violence goes up, so does the tax rate until okay. you reach like an equilibrium, right? Or, okay. You know, and uh, in, in order to incentivize gun makers to, to keep guns out of the hands of people, kind of use them inappropriately, right? Sure. Taxes. I, I don't understand why that doesn't come up more, right? As a yeah. solution, why it goes right to banning? Why we don't, you know? Yeah. Tax taxation is a technocratic way of dealing with vice, or at least you know making money sure. off it. And if people are going to buy guns, then we should make sure that they are expensive, and you can't buy forty of them without you know mortgaging your house, right? Yeah. Second, licensing, right? Yeah. Like, why not have a license to buy guns? Why not have to go through some safety standard class in order to purchase a gun like right. you would a car right uh well the you know the nra offers <laughs> sure but that's a private organization right. right you pay them yeah you know uh they get the money not the government yeah. so i think this is a weird thing where you're i think talking about licensing for gun ownership is weird because we do have the second amendment so nobody's saying you don't have the right to have the gun but 
I think once you try to license it, I think you're, it'll be explicitly called out as somehow impinging upon that right. Yeah, why do you have to be licensed to have a right, right? You don't get... You to don't buy get, it. You can own it. It can be handed down to you, right? It's not something that... It, uh, the guns aren't going to be confiscated. I feel like, yeah, I, I think that, that legally, I think that's harder to through them then I mean it, what it does is it makes gun stores like less fun places to be it makes them into like federal fed you know there's the the federal government is up gun stores ass which I think it should be it's mm. a fucking gun store <laughs> Let me ask you this, so, so yeah. what about types of guns like do you think that there's a difference or, yeah yeah I mean I, I definitely see no reason why a human being who is not in the military should have an automatic weapon or even a semi-automatic weapon right the best personal defense weapon is a shotgun for the reason that it is scary looking yeah. and easy to load yeah. and you're less likely to hurt yourself with it. I mean, anybody would tell you that. In the country, like, that's the weapon you reach for when you're under assault, right? Because you, you, you get to load it and it's very loud. It's very loud. I mean, that, hey, I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what, a, what the cocking of a shotgun is a deterrent effect, yeah. right? Like, uh, also, you don't have to hit. You don't have to aim very well, right? right? Like if you're shooting into and yeah, the darkness, you can still hit somebody. Uh, assault weapon or a semi-automatic rifle. What do you need that for? If you can't hunt with a one-shot rifle, I guess uh, I I want to think a little bit more about gun control, but I, okay. I don't I don't have anything interesting to say. So I, I guess like the federal government being involved in anything, it can be a civil liberties problem, right? Like, and I think that's true with gun registration. I think the truth is that the Second Amendment is an entrenchment of this right. And so yeah. unless something radical happens, we're going to have to figure out how to... Um, but the Second Amendment has been interpreted in a very, very different way yeah. Yeah, over time. That is absolutely yeah. true. I also think that uh, if you want to put together some way of changing the current landscape... You have to put together some sort of argument that we haven't hashed, uh, we haven't said a million times before, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, try to figure out, okay, what argument can we put forth? What what regulation? What law change? What taxation could work? So we have mm -hmm. to we have to tackle this problem sort of on the margins, right? Because there's such a reflexive uh, there's such a reflexive defense of gun ownership, um, and at the same time, there's such a real misunderstanding of what it means to own a gun, I think, when people don't own a gun or live in crowded spaces, right? So, like, we can rely on the cops reasonably to come within 10 minutes, whereas I think in rural areas, that's just not true, yeah. right? Um, if you grow up with your your dad and your granddad and your mom, for that matter, just all shooting guns, it's just, why, why would you think about uh, abnegating that right? And so I think that, so I think that has to be a dialogue of how you get to a space of, well, how do we reinterpret the Second Amendment so that people can, in a way that doesn't kick up this reflexive re reflexive refusal to even talk about some sane path towards, um, if not gun control, then making sure that gun ownership is, is, gun ownership is either more responsible or in some ways um, not even better regulated, but somehow handled better. And, and at least we can talk about... Um, we can talk about having tackled this problem in some way. I think the way that we debated, the way that we've sort of split, we split very much culturally on this, and I think it's an un, unfair and unhelpful kind of divide. So we, and the left, if you believe in things like quote-unquote gun control, then we have to rethink our arguments and rethink our goals.
and I don't know what that is yet, but I think that rehashing arguments that we've had for the past 10 years isn't getting us anywhere. So we had to rethink the... Gun control is a bad word for it as well. It should be gun responsibility. Like, it should be, you know, Uh, a word that does not evoke... uh, A fascist government coming to take away your guns, right? You know, like, I think think everybody can understand that a gun is an extremely powerful device that ought to be in the hands of people who know, you know how to use it and its cost there's there's so many like things that are just drilled in my head like yeah shoot to kill never you know like muzzle control you know yeah. all the you know never point your, your gun at anything without a in, intent to use it yeah. i mean and also you know keep it unloaded keep it there's there's so and there's no you can just walk into a store and buy a gun right there's I also, a waiting period to make sure you're not a criminal, I guess. Yeah. I am sort of. also pretty sure whatever stipulations you put out, right? Yeah. That would not have stopped the person from shooting Las Vegas. One, he was rich. Sure. Um, two, uh, well, I guess I don't know what kind of gun he used, so I don't know yeah. exactly. He used his 10 favorites. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so restricting different types of guns may yeah. not be effective because uh, I think it was the um, Virginia Tech shooter yeah. who used pistols, right? Yeah. He killed. 20 people like just horrible like you can really go on a, a killing spree with a uh, with a single shot gun right the casualties that occur in these 50 these high numbers these yeah. mass shootings it's true that these situations there's no way to prevent them but that's not actually the actual like meat and potatoes of the people that are killed in gun violence right like gun violence around the country occurs one at a time right like it's yeah, people absolutely, killing themselves right. it's people you know right. using these in a homicide or in a robbery that ordinarily maybe they wouldn't have that gun right so there's a proliferation of guns in this country that causes a effect of gun violence that's out so we see the 50 people killed you know, right but that's not actually you know, yeah one of the things is these mass shootings make us talk about gun control or gun violence that is that's yeah. unproductive because the vast majority of shootings are actually suicides yeah right? exactly there's so suicides, the gun in your home then homicides have, accidents and then the scenario sliver. there's a uh, an interesting visualization done even a year ago, I think, by 538, and, you know, 60, 70% of all gun deaths are something, are like suicides. Maybe, yeah, I like, wish that were more talked about, that if you have a gun in your home, the person you're, who's most likely to use it is you against yourself. yourself right, yeah. like, and something like 5% are these sort of mass shootings, if that, or terrorism, or something like that, these big headline-grabbing incidents, so that's something to keep in mind. Um so I think it, I, it's a nuanced, it's a nuanced and very American debate, right? No other country has this debate. So I want I want to keep going with this, but I think it's also um, they're just we'll have another opportunity. Right, I, I hope not, but yeah, I, I have a feeling we will. Um, just for the sake of time, though, um, I wanted to move on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I w- want to know what you think about the tax reform package on the docket yeah so i think it's also just a bunch of ideas that have been floated around and so right now this is a major push on the part of the republicans this is the legislation they really did want yeah um and so this is tax reform and they're talking about some and you'll see the headlines where they read something like the biggest the biggest tax reform since the reagan era i just want to point out it's during the reagan six right yeah 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 so during the reagan era in 86 they managed to Tax reform, yeah. as opposed to sketch out a couple of ideas 
and not bring it to the floor again. So well, you get to talk about the biggest comprehensive tax reform when you've actually accomplished something. So um, already the politics are a little shaky because I think they've already talked about two defections, I think, in the Senate, yeah. which is um, uh, which is going to be really hard. So um, from the out- outset, the Republicans haven't really looked to work with the Democrats in any real way. Um, that being said, I think there are a number of proposals which I think I like. The key one, I think, is that, uh, and Democrats don't address this enough, is that complexity in the tax code, especially an individual tax code, is in itself a cost, right? So if you have a number of deductions, if you have to go through multiple forms, this just raises the cost of taxes. It just makes it inaccessible and confusing for people. Um, and I think that in itself, it's an addressable issue, right? Like you, they're talking about reducing the number of deductions and having a relatively simple sort of schedule of taxation. I like that in theory. I think it will work really well. So outside of uh, outside of how you place the tax burden, I think simplicity is really important. I also think that um, reducing the number of uh, sort of deductions that are aimed to sort of curry favor with the middle class also sort of important because one of the things that we can talk about is that in America, especially with sort of um, income tax, the bargain was that we would introduce an income tax, but we would ta- the tax would fall mainly on the rich, right? So the top 10% pay something like 85% of all federal income tax. Um, and I think in other countries, that tax burden is more evenly distributed. Obviously, there's trade-off there is that you get more services. But I think what's going to happen, I think, is America, as is, especially in the next 10 or 15 years, we're going to talk about the federal government providing more and more services, and we're going to have to move to a space where we have higher taxation and I think also um, a flatter distribution, right? So I think in some ways, like Germany's tax burden, like the average mm. person probably pays something like 40 to 50% of their taxation, and that's just not true in America, right, within, in terms of federal tax. So uh, you can't have that... They also don't have... It, we we handle their military. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we, we have a very skewed distribution, and we expect yeah. um, if if you don't want rich people running your government, don't ask them to pick up the check. Mm. And so this is something that I think is a is a is an argument that the left really misses out on. Other than that, I think there are a lot of details that haven't been hashed out yet. So, And I think that there are a, a lot of things that could go one way or another, and I don't know exactly how the politics are going. To, I don't know how the politics are really going to play out, but I do know that things are going to get watered down, right? But I, I talked enough, so I'm curious about what you think. I mean, I just don't know. As far as I understand it, so what we're looking at is is a tax cut, right? Like it. Yeah, there's a real push to have a tax cut. Yeah, in a, in a time where we're kind of in a stagnant economy. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I would say that the, the economy is growing probably not as fast as it wants. We're not dealing be. with a government surplus right now. We are right? not dealing Which with Which is what was surplus. happening at the end of the Clinton administration, right? The Bush-era tax cuts were... were yeah, sure. It was yeah. a, play, a way to spend down right. um, the government surplus. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was getting the cash back that they put in. But right now, we'd be just going into a deficit, right? If we were to it cut taxes. We'd be taxes further into a deficit. Further a deficit, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the things. So the tax cut... Um, the talking about the tax cut, the the language around the tax cut, and you can even see people like I think even Mike Mulvaney, who was a deficit hawk mm. back when he was you know sullied in the swamp of the Congress, and now that he's working for the drain the swamp government, sure. is talking about <laughs> increasing significantly the deficit. Right, so it's it's a weird space that the government or the I think the administration, the people who are trying to put forth this policy, have admitted that. 
this tax cut is not going to pay for itself. Well, the the idea would be that the tax cut would stimulate the economy, economy. so much that it would lift us out of the mire, and it would right. all right. of a sudden have a our deficit would be eroded by the fact that the engines of capitalism were unleashed by this. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to put that aside just for a second. So, in order to get it through the budgetary rules, right? Yeah. Like, it can't, it can't. It, significantly increase I think the deficit or government spending over the course of 10 years I forget exactly what it is oh rules yeah. <laughs> right exactly so yeah. in order to get through that that uh, the budget reconciliation process yeah. it still has to be about budget reconciliation so there's a little small technical point but you're absolutely right so the talking point is that these kind of tax cuts are going to boost growth to such a place that we will we will just blow through um, growth projections, and we will the deficit will effectively take care of itself because we will be reaping the rewards of a healthier economy and just pulling in more taxes because the corporations will be doing so much better. I find that problematic. Okay. Uh, tell me, lot, tell me why that's wrong. It's so persuasive. It's. I think that. I think without a doubt, you can ease up the the tax burden by making things simpler. Um, you can change the distribution. You can make the tax code more efficient. But let's say you. You, you boost growth by about 1%, uh, like a whole percentage point. Um, that's a significant change for any economy. I just don't know if tax, I don't know whether or not that's actually going to translate to that much more growth, right? And in that case, what you have done is you have effectively increased the deficit significantly and you are have no way of sort of, you have no way of, of recapturing that, right? So you're continuing to endanger the finances of the country um, for the sake of pulling down taxes, right? Um, and that's a that's a gamble, right? It's not a clear win. If it's not a clear win, then you are betting on the fact that you're cutting taxes in such a way that growth will make up for that. And we, uh, like you said, we're not in a space where we have a lot of fiscal maneuvering room because we're are, we are in a deficit. We have been for years, and we don't have a surplus. So when you ha- are in a surplus, like you said, we get to talk about okay, let's. Let's take more gambles with the tax code. Let's think about stripping down tax codes, or if you're a Democrat, you know, um, bolstering the safety net or, or increasing entitlements. But you get to take increasing those risks. Military spending. Yeah, yeah, you get to take those risks, right? But if we're in, de- in a deficit, I think that you have to be very cautious about what you can do with your taxes, and you have to be cautious about those kind of projections. So that, to me, is there's a there's a real trade. There's a complexity here. I think what they're saying on paper is good. In general, um, outside of the argument of how you think uh, the debt burden or the taxation burden should should fall, right? So, um, I, but simplifying the tax code is a good thing. I just don't think it'll deliver the same kind of growth that they're talking about. Certainly not the type of growth that will allow us to ignore the implications on our deficit. All right. Well, let, let's say that they are not immune to your persuasive argument and like the history and science and math mm-hmm. and economics either, right? Yeah. Let's say economics, they un- econo- There's no science in this. Economics right. is not science. Yeah. Sure. But let's say that they understand that this will, in fact, cause the deficit to continue to grow. Sure. And it may not, in fact, stimulate the economy in the way that they're proposing, but will, in fact ease up the tax burden for America's most wealthy, right? Yes. What are the political consequences of that if they manage to pass something? (laughs) Uh, So I think that's, I think that's the bet, right? Like, I mean, so that's, it's not that, um, it'd be, I'll be curious. I mean, this is the thing that unifies a lot of establishment Republicans with the Trump wing of the Republican Party is the fact that they've talked about 
dropping the tax uh, or, or lowering taxes, low, lowering corporate taxes, right? This is one of the few ideas that kind of binds all branches of the Republican Party together. Yeah. And so politically, if they can't make this happen, if they can't deliver this to both sides of the party, right. then the party doesn't really have a reason to coalesce, right? Like, yeah. Um, so that's the political ramification if it doesn't happen, right? If it does happen... If it doesn't happen, right? right? But if it does, let's say they succeed, they push it through, like, every, and then, you know... Well, I think, uh, so I wonder how this will play out, yeah. right? So do you, if working class Americans see taxes rise, right? Yeah. And I think and along with cost of living rising, right? So things like health care, which would, I think, rise regardless of what federal policy does. I think. Sure. It, um, I th- don't think they'll be happy. I don't think that it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to make whatever growth we see, right? If growth is unevenly felt or unevenly distributed, it's hard to argue that growth in and of itself is good. A lot of times what happens is that economic growth often translates to growth that is felt throughout um, the economy. Not everywhere, but a lot of, like, in a large parts of the economy. That's usually what happens with GDP growth. Um, but in this case, if you're seeing a tax burden or uh, reduction of taxes um, translate to... Um, higher taxes for, you know, the working class, and I think that's going to be really hard to sell. I think it's going to be not political death, but I think it's really going to start to interrupt uh, this kind of comedy between the base of, of the Republican Party or the Trump base and leadership. Without lowering the tax burden in America for sure. the richest, yes. how are we supposed to convince the secret world masters and oligarchs of Europe and Russia and China sure. to come live here? Right. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I'm not understanding your point. I think you're just fucking with me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, sure. I guess I think you're suspicious. What you're saying is you're suspicious. I'm just. I'm a little suspicious a that little of suspicious. like w- reducing the tax burden of rich people. I guess I'm suspicious that they are the engines of capitalism in the first place, and not the I'm beneficiaries l- of inequalities. I, I'm. I think the truth lies somewhere in between. Yeah. I mean, I think you don't. I, I mean, the point of capitalism is that often rewards flow to people who are successful, right? And so you can argue that that's or the, and, and sp- the or children of people who are successful, the the like to the I'm third a, generation. I'm. Le- I mean, I think I think the grandchildren of people who are successful live a comfortable life. Yeah. I don't see them like having the kind of spending cash or the will to, to like really make influence. Well, but, we're, but one of the proposals on the table is getting rid of no, the estate tax. tax right? Yeah, for sure. So that's something that's been holding them back from being these, like, super... I don't you know. know. Like, I know... I mean, just because we live in New York City, I yeah. know, like, second or third generation of very famous names, right? Right, right, right? Because, I mean, the first generation don't hang out with me. Yeah. But I do know, like, richer people, children <laughs> with scions, and they're kind of like... I kind of feel like, granted, it took about eighty years, but capitalism did a really good job of separating, of like, destroying their wealth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. separating mean, people who don't deserve their money yeah. from their money. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I think you live a very comfortable life. Obviously, you're going to be a millionaire. Yeah. You know, you haven't earned it. But I think the real, the real titans are also really well rewarded, right? Like, I mean, it's hard. You can argue about whatever their legacy could be, but I mean, it's hard to argue that Michael Bloomberg is. A, didn't in some ways revolutionize some part of of the world, right? Like, I mean, it may not be interesting to you, but like a lot of the tech titans really did change modern capitalism and global the global economy, right? And so they are rich, and that's within that generation, right? So I don't know what uh, I don't know what Bill Gates's grandchildren are going to be like. They're probably going to be horrible, 
But Bill Gates, in some ways, changed the face of the modern economy, and I think that's that is a reward that may or may not be fairly bestowed. But like, I mean, you could say he's a titan of of, of capitalism, right? So, I guess something I don't know, I usually don't understand is how you can even spend more money than like couple million <laughs> I just don't understand it like I don't you know what I mean like I, I, I feel pretty happy like right. you know like I guess I don't know what you would buy right so <laughs> I mean this is a is a good question but I actually think when we talk about the the consequences of yeah. inequality and how yeah, like it's yeah. hard to compete with it's hard for the it's hard for you to compete uh, with rich people getting richer yeah. I think that's actually a, a wrong argument right yeah. because you know what what the modern consumer economy will provide ridiculous things for rich people to buy. That's what it's very good at separating people from their money, um, and that's that's how what a consumption does, right? So maybe it's not buying like that mega yacht, but you will buy ridiculous services yeah. for sure, or you will find some way to spend that money that you think is both good. And better for you, and also good for the world. I'll tell you what, right? it's like not, makes you a better it's person. Not books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I actually think that the problem is uh, with inequality isn't that it's it, it's spreading out, right? I actually think that it's actually inequality has shrunk among countries. Uh, between countries, right? Yeah. So, like the different, you're not. It's not that you're competing with rich people to buy things. It's that you're competing with this new generation of middle class people to buy things. Sure. Yeah. And that's actually. It's not that inequality is increasing in America. It's that it's actually decreased globally, and that's yeah. actually the problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree so, with that. So that's actually the. That's one of the reasons I think our our debate about inequality and how it feeds into taxation is. Almost completely misguided. I guess the point I was trying to make about my earlier bad faith argument about the oligarchs <laughs> then is that that's true. The middle class is expanding, but yeah. then we have these countries that are, you know, like that have way different tax codes, right? And yeah. middle class does not have access to these. You know what I mean? Like yeah. only the rich can, you know, decide where they live. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You, you have much more mobility. Than yeah. I'll 100% agree with that. Um, we are running out of time. Is there anything... Um, is there one last subject you want to talk about? As far as politics? Yeah, as far as politics. Uh, no, nah, unless you are, there's something you want to talk nah, about. No, not really. I mean, I just want to keep everyone's attention. Also, in Puerto Rico, uh, an ongoing humanitarian disaster. Yeah. Um, the power's going to come on, and we're going to hear people's yeah, stories. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it just hasn't been revealed. There's some talk about why. Uh, we haven't heard that much about it. There are all sorts of conspiracy talking, you know, blindsides the media but again we actually talked about this last week you know the truth is that the way we consume media is built upon these assumptions of infrastructure you had that actually even in a place like houston you don't have that in in puerto rico so when we think about taking our news in we take it through social media and that involves taking pictures and having a lot of internet access and that's just not happening so when the power finally comes on we will see the devastation that these people have to live through again it's three three and a half million people 80 percent of whom don't have power so um, that is actually something that, for all our talk about other things, like it is a, it is an unfolding humanitarian disaster of American citizens. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, move on from politics. Let's talk a little bit about doubling down on defeat, which is a section we like to turn return to every so often. Um, it is our section where we'd like to talk about how Democrats are refusing to take upon take the chalice of power into their hands. No, I won't. No, no, I don't, don't, don't drink from the cup of power. Uh, so this is our uh, one of our favorite sections, so doubling down on defeat. And for this uh, this podcast, I think we were going to talk a little bit about 
what happened? Hillary Clinton's dissection of what happened in the 2016 election. You actually read it, so... Yeah, so there was a there was a whole media cycle that talked about this book, and it was all by people who had not read the book yet, <laughs> and who were looking at one-page excerpts or right. cherry-picking information about it. Sure. Uh, this isn't actually my first rodeo with a Hillary Clinton book. The whole narrative was that she was, you know, even people that liked her liked her for, I guess, like, impersonal reasons for what she'd done, I guess, or for who, you know, like, I like her personally. I think she'd be really fun to hang out with. I think one of the things about Hillary Clinton that was left out of the entire 2016 debate was that she likes scumbags. She likes to hang out with, like, foul-mouthed, like, you know, people at their worst, right? She enjoys their company, right? right? She finds them amusing and really, like, you know, likes what they have to say, and sure. she empowers them, right, right. In, in a certain way. Like she, I mean, she, ca- she remained married to Bill. Yeah, absolutely. Number one, right? Like, first of all. But she he also, you know, she found him charming. She mm. liked his sexual peccadillos and exploits, you know? And she's also, like, a Methodist, right? So she's a person that believes in getting shit done and, like, doing the most good you can for as long as you can. Anyway, I enjoy books because they uh, talk about really strange policy initiatives and think you know this was a book about what she would have done had she won okay. it was also a book uh that was you know the book should have been titled i'm fine how are you <laughs> uh, it was not a book that i specifically felt was you know complaining about how she lost or why she lost it was mainly about how she was you know there's a whole the last section of the book is you know like this is just called resilience right yeah, yeah. i guess like we did it first yes uh, we, 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 yeah, yeah. we were way ahead of that but she you know she glommed on to our way forward and was she's talk- probably a fan <laughs> she's probably a fan it was refreshing to read because a lot of the conversation has drifted to the extremes Sure. In 2017, and this is definitely not an extreme book. She's not an extreme person, right? Yeah. Uh, never was. That was, you know, put on her by everybody. But she is not. She's very lame. She's a lame grandma. Right? Yeah, that's who she is. She likes, you know, like cozy mysteries and you know putting her feet up in NCIS <laughs> and fucking policy briefs. Sure, you know? sure. Uh, it's a good book. I, I I found it cathartic to read and. Uh, inspirational i teared up a few times is the message of resilience i guess that what happened put out is one that i think everybody needs right now yeah Uh, and the uh the story of what happened will be being told for you know generations so i don't think she's very good at telling that story she's too close to it but the story of somebody continuing to survive and thrive i think is one that we ourselves yeah i mean we talked a lot about it and especially the choice of the word resilience was there anything that you thought was surprising about the book surprising well, um, what are the things that you because it, one of the th- the criticisms yeah. of Hillary Clinton is that a lot of what she thinks about and how she expresses herself is very mannered and very thought out and yeah. can be less than spontaneous but also I think in some ways processed right like it's not off the cuff and it's also thought about in to to such a degree that it often feels very highly filtered. And I guess I take exception with the idea that off-the-cuff statements aren't thought about. They're maybe not thought about in the moment, but they're right. certainly things that people have come to a conclusion about in the shower, or you know, sure. they may be quicker at speaking them, or right. may not care about the consequences, or may have the privilege not to care about yeah. the consequences, but somebody who's a woman who's running for president has to care at all times about what they say and how they say I'll agree with that, but something that uh, in some ways is over-massage, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So how... So, uh, one of the reasons I have no real intention of reading this book is because I don't think it would actually teach me anything. Yeah. Like, I feel like I know the Hillary brand 
Um, I get the the basic outlines of what happened during 2016, so why would I want to read that book? Because So what a surprise, and what did you not expect, given that we know the messaging and we know how well, yeah, well disciplined the messaging of someone like Hillary Clinton can be? Right. To the extent that she takes blame for this, and she does mm -hmm. regularly and repeatedly throughout the book, is that she wasn't nasty enough. There were things she wanted to say, and she felt like she couldn't. She wasn't allowed. And her message is just to go ahead and say them, you know? Like, yeah. in the future, like, don't be like me, you know? Mm. Don't bite your tongue about things you believe in for the strategic goal that you make because it makes you it slowly uh, depletes you saps you yeah. of your reserves and it's demoralizing in the moment right and you can't let yourself get beat up right. you know like you should fight back uh which i and you may, may not fight back in the same way that trump does right but uh fight back in a way that keeps you feeling good about yourself like you you know because not fighting back and will make you feel guilty later and then that robs you of your ability in the future right uh, which I thought was an interesting point, you know, from somebody who has a hard time speaking up and, you know, who isn't used to the kind of challenges that she saw with Trump yeah. and Sanders, uh, who's used to more Kasich-like Republicans and uh, right. uh, Edwards-like Democrats yeah. or Obama-like Democrats, right. right, who's not expecting to come into the 2016 cycle, you know, facing id, but yeah. uh, ego. Sure. Uh, and she's kind of a super ego. So. Yeah, that's fair. So she thinks that politics has changed and we're going to see a lot more of this. Sure. You know? And as far as the doubling down on defeat aspect of this book goes, I think more Democrats should read it. I yeah. think more people should read it. I think we didn't, to the extent that Hillary Clinton was painted by both sides, by both extreme sides, we lost the humanity of her. In the same way that we've lost the humanity of Trump, right? right. And the extent to which we can all we can continue to try to find the humanity in everybody who runs for office, we understand them better and they're less like scary and we can consider them on a, on a, as rationally. Anybody that reads this book will have some element of what they thought about Hillary Clinton challenged. You convinced me I may want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish every politician was compelled to write a couple books and <laughs> we all read them before the election. Yeah, that may never happen. That because there's a lot you learn from the way somebody writes or wants to be perceived as writing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do think it helps you get a sense of their complexities and I mean how they how they right. process information right. how they make decisions yeah and since that's what we're hiring them to do it's nice to see how they do it yeah 100% yeah uh, and a book is if is nothing if not a bunch of little decisions sure that's fair <laughs> alright um, I think that actually brings us to the end of yet another episode of Room of Require a podcast of once again reason and resilience in the time of Trump came up with that first Thanks, everyone, for listening. Once again, I'm one of your co-hosts, Kamala Shrao. With me, as always, has been... Miracle Jones. Yeah, and thank you, Kevin Carter, for producing our outro music. Yeah. <laughs>